This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, no bull. May 1, 2020. A few economic releases for today. Uh, the PMI Manufacturing Index for April was forecast to be uh, 36.9, down from 48.5 in, uh, in March. The actual was 36.1, so slightly less than forecast, but it was less than the lowest forecast in the range. So that suggests that uh, manufacturing is obviously very, very weak right now, in contraction by a lot. The ISM manufacturing index pretty much has is the same kind of uh, indicator. Uh, in March it was 49.1, forecast for April was 37.5, and actual was 41.5. So actually it was better than expected and, and close to the highest forecast in the range. So that's quite interesting, a little bit of a difference between those two indices. And construction spending came in today. In February, it was uh, down 2.5%. Consensus forecast was for a 3.5% decline in March, and actual was <laughs> actually a 0.9% increase. So that's interesting. Uh, and the year-over-year -year change was 4.6% in February and 4.7% in March. So not, uh, not, no effects showing up in construction spending yet for, uh, due to the coronavirus, at least for the overall number. Now, uh, the market today fell by 622 points or, or close to that. And the main reasons were because tech earnings were disappointing. There were uh, expected possible tariffs on Chinese imports to, quote-unquote, make them pay for the coronavirus pandemic. And at the end, of, toward the end of the session, there was a, a, a new, news came out that Gilead Sciences finally got FDA approval for their antiviral drug remdesivir, but it wasn't nearly enough to to uh, prop up the market at the end. I wanted to mention about earnings. Uh, so here, here's just a little, uh, a little snippet from this article on earnings. It says, earlier earnings results from some of the most heavily weighted companies in the major U.S. stock indices came in mixed. Amazon posted first quarter sales that jumped over 26% over last year, but warned that $4 billion in expected coronavirus-related costs could drag operating income negative into, to the tune of $1.5 billion. I'm assuming that's for next quarter. Meanwhile, uh, Apple reported quarterly revenue growth that slowed dramatically over last year and declined to offer an outlook for the first time in nine years due to uncertainty over the pandemic. The tech-heavy Nasdaq ended Friday's session lowered by 3.2%. Oil giants ExxonMobil and Chevron each posted weaker results compared to last year's economic devastation from the coronavirus and recent plunge in crude oil prices weighed on the companies. ExxonMobil posted its first quarterly loss in decades, and Chevron cut its capital expenditure plans for the year by another $2 billion. So th those kinds of, uh, of numbers and outlooks weighed very heavily on the market today. 
Next up uh, is just a, a quick uh, note that uh, I watched this video and this guy from uh, uh, he, this guy who owns a restaurant said he talked to somebody who analyzes restaurants and he said there's a very high likelihood that about 25% of all restaurants in the entire country might go out of business uh, due to this pandemic. That is, that is frightening news. If that's the case, you're going to see millions of job losses from that. Let's just, let's just pray to God that doesn't happen. Let's pray that, uh, that either they open up sooner and, 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 uh, and wider, uh, you know, obviously safely, but let's hope they get a chance to open up and uh, either that or get help from, from the government because we do not want to see that happen. All right, so as promised... I'm going to share with you some notes from a webinar I watched today about the differences between the University of Minnesota's COVID-19 model and the University of Washington's IHME model. And I got to tell you, I was very disappointed in this webinar. I thought they were going to go much more in depth on the assumptions and the, uh, the factors and their models and stuff, and they really didn't do that uh, at all. Um, so I'm going to share you, share the notes with you and then go over a few slides. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was hoping for much better insight on this. Anyway, so one interesting quote from the University of Washington, the guy from the University of Washington, said that oftentimes a model is requested to justify actions that have already been decided. Boy, isn't that a revealing quote. In other words, what he's saying is if if a governor wants to shut down their state, then they'll say, give me a model that shows that I was right in doing so, rather than using a model to shut down the state. They actually shut down the state first and then look for a model that justifies it. That's just, that's infuriating. If that is what is happening, I don't know if that's really what's happening because, you know, these governors are looking at models every day, probably every hour. So, um, but at the same time, if <laughs> this this quote suggests that if a model does not necessarily say that a governor should do something that they already did, then they're going to look for a model that justifies what they did. So, uh, you know, more chicanery. Anyway. The IHME model assumes strong social distancing remains in place and works. Uh, first audience, the first audience question was about race differences, which I thought was just beyond ridiculous. Here we are, here we are trying to figure out, you know, how many people are going to die and how many people are going to get get tested positive and how many businesses can open and at what rate they can open. And the first question they ask is, how you know, what's the difference in race? Give me a break. People are people. Come on. And it says, uh, but the IHME, that was, you know, so the IHME followed that up by saying that their model does not include race and ethnicity. So uh, they are just looking at overall. The second question from the audience was about tribal nations. Again, really? Just wow. 
But the but the interesting thing that came from that question was that it says that the IHME doesn't use cases for modeling, only deaths, because cases have changed dramatically due to due to more testing, um, and they use uh, a threshold of fifty deaths is needed to do reliable modeling. So because of that, it's difficult to model smaller cities and counties and tribes uh, because there's not nearly enough data. So. I didn't like the question, but it was interesting that they said basically we can't we can't reliably model these smaller areas because we just don't have enough data. The IHME model only focuses is only focusing right now on the first wave, like I've been mentioning in my previous uh, episodes, that they're not even forecasting a second wave. Okay, so if they're not forecasting a second wave and at least doing some kind of modeling to figure out what would happen if people went back to work. Why are they warning everybody not to go back to work? I just don't understand this. I just really don't understand this. And the Minnesota model doesn't doesn't show a second wave either. They just basically are saying, you know, we're we're forecasting a certain amount of fatalities over the next 18 months, but it doesn't have any kind of uh shape for it. I'll show I I got something else to say about that in a minute. So, Minnesota projection of 22,000 deaths in 18 months. That's kind of their mid-range. Uh it goes from 6 to 68,000, but 22 is the most likely for for the scenarios that they've put out. 22,000 deaths in 18 months means 40 deaths a day, and we are currently averaging 20 deaths a day, which projected out 18 months would only mean 11,000 deaths. So, I don't know where they're getting this forecast. You know, why are they saying 40 deaths a day if we're only at 20? I mean, they, they must be having something in their model that is suggesting that things are going to get worse. Even though uh, we've heard the governor and other people saying it looks like we're possibly past the peak. So why are they forecasting so many fatalities when we're saying we're past the peak? And if we're past the peak, then we're not going to be seeing 40 deaths a day. We're only going to be seeing 20, if not fewer. So that makes no sense to me either. Now, Minnesota, uh, so I, what I wanted to share with you was, let me pull this up, Minnesota's, I see, so this model that they have shows a peak ICU bed need of 4,000 ICU beds. 4,000. As of today, ICU beds in use, according to Minnesota's uh, COVID-19 dashboard, is 986. A full 75% less than what they're forecasting uh, at the peak. The capacity is 1,244 beds. So if we did go to 4,000, then yeah, we would be overwhelming the system. But we're not there. We're not even close. Uh, we're, we're close to capacity. We're, we're 75% capacity right now, 986 beds in use. Capacity is 1,244. But they said another 800 beds could be ready in 24 hours, and another 544 beds could be ready in 72 hours. So a total maximum capacity is 2,588 beds. Uh, so we're only at 40% of that right now. 986 out of 2588. So, you know, I I don't see where is the, where is the, the fear in this 
in terms of overwhelming the system. The fear is, is fatalities, but they're also still continuing to say we need to flatten the curve to not overwhelm the system. Well, the, the system is not is not overwhelmed right now, and, and according to this chart, uh, capacity is much higher than current use. So uh, there's that. And now uh, what I wanted to share was uh, a few slides here. So I'm just going to read this to you. The Minnesota COVID-19 model is a compartmental model that uses mathematical equations to represent the dynamics of the SARS-CoV-2 transmission and COVID-19 outcomes. The model stratifies population by age and presence of underlying conditions reflecting Minnesota demographics. Revision of the model is ongoing as more U.S.-specific data becomes available and more cases are observed in Minnesota. So that's their description there. And it says the original stay-at-home order was March 27 to April 10. The original stay-at-home order plus vulnerable distancing uh, for two weeks followed by continued distancing for vulnerable people for 30 days past the peak is, 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 an, is another uh, strategy. And another strategy is extended stay-at-home order plus vulnerable distancing for for six more weeks through through well for six weeks total through may 8th followed by continued distancing for for vulnerable people for 30 days past the peak so we just got extended to may 18th so they, they're basically saying june 18th is when vulnerable people will actually start to you know be able to do some more normal things again but again like i said another thing about this model is that uh, so their models suggest close to 5,000 ICU beds needed if we have continued distancing among vulnerable and reduces peak demand strategy, or reduces peak demand. But they said by extending the stay-at-home orders uh, for it looks like another, hmm, let's see, another five weeks or so, that the peak will be pushed out. But it does not reduce it. Listen carefully. It does not reduce the demand for beds. If if we if we go with the current order, four thousand bed maximum need. If we if we extend it out, four thousand bed maximum need. So my question is, what in the world is the point of extending the strategy or extending the stay-at-home order if it doesn't reduce the need for beds? It it makes no sense at all. But what it does do is it extends how long people are unemployed or the or it raises the probability that people are going to lose their business. What in the world is the point of this? As you can understand, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm not happy about this. Now it says, insights gained from modeling. In the short term, social distancing limits infection spread and what the heck? It doesn't make any sense. In the short term, social distancing limits infection spread and keeps healthcare demands low. Okay, read that wrong. Herd immunity is low and populations remain susceptible. Yes, that's what I've been saying. Herd immunity is low. If we're all cooped up in our houses, we can't generate or develop herd immunity. And herd immunity is the only thing that's going to help us, other than this remdesivir drug, which hopefully comes out soon, uh or a vaccine, uh, herd immunity is the only thing that's going to finally help us get rid of this pandemic because then that means as more people have, as more people contract the virus and the vast majority of them will not die, then they will develop antibodies which will prevent the virus from spreading 
from one person to the next. Uh, so the more people you have that have those antibodies, the less the virus can spread. But we can't develop this herd immunity if we're all sitting in our homes. Anyway, in the long term, if when social distancing, if and when social distancing is lifted, infection spreads almost as before if no actions are taken. Keys to make use of additional time gained by social distancing are capacity expansion, healthcare testing and contact tracing, supports for sustained social distancing, uh, which includes protections for vulnerable populations, guidelines for businesses, workplaces, and schools, and third, scientific knowledge, which includes gains in epidemiological and clinical understanding. Limitations on, on limitations and ongoing refinements include limited number of observations in Minnesota to fit the current model. So again, here they are projecting 22,000 deaths, but they're saying they have limited number of observations to fit the model. So that tells me that uh, it's not a very reliable model if you don't have enough data. Available U.S. data is incomplete. Here we go again. For hospitalizations and fatalities. Or there's a significant amount of missing data. Oh, my goodness. You know, I understand that these modelers do the best that they can, but when you're you're talking about businesses going under and people losing their jobs, their incomes, and possibly their homes, probably not their homes because there's a moratorium right now on, on evictions and, and foreclosures, but still really, really incredibly difficult financial situations for many, many people right now, all based on a model that has incomplete data or missing data. Just think about that, Okay. Nursing home outbreaks and or hotspots require special consideration, yes. Test performance of RT-PCR or serology tests, I have no idea what that means, uh, and how best to implement remain unclear. Okay. We are continuing to update and revise the Minnesota COVID-19 model. Uh, let's see. Okay, the next chart shows Washington State's forecast for... Well, that's for Washington State. We don't care about that. Um, hmm, okay. Anyway, uh, let's see what else here. Well, this quote from Governor Jamesley in Washington says, Every state in America is united in the fight to save the lives of our people. Though our mission is the same, our needs are different. Today, Washington is returning 400 ventilators so states like New York and others can have them. Well, that's interesting. I thought New York was sending out their ventilators to other states. <laughs> well, okay, that quote is from April 5th. Okay, that makes more sense. All right, uh, let's see here. Anything else to share with you from this presentation? Um, oh, here's a, here's an interesting thing. This is really, really interesting. This just made me fall out of my chair. This chart shows the effect of lifting social distancing mandates on May 1st. So, this chart shows daily fatalities. This is for the United States. It peaked at around 2,000. I don't know when they. I don't know when this chart was made because this this is not right. This is just not right. Uh, hmm. Interesting. Anyway, it shows fatalities falling. You know, as we get further into this pandemic, uh, and then. There's two scenarios. One is social distancing lifted May 1st. One is social distancing through June 1. The social distancing through June 1 goes literally to zero by July for the number of daily fatalities. It goes to zero. 
But if we open one month earlier, May 1st, which is today, it shows that there's a huge rebound in number of fatalities per day that goes all the way back. So so it, 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 uh, it goes all the way down to about, looks like about 300 deaths per day in mid-May. And then it goes all the way back up to 1,200, 1,300 deaths per day by July. Now, you tell me, does that make any sense? Does it really make sense that if we open one month earlier, we're going to have 1,300 fatalities a day? But if we open in June, on June 1, we're going to have zero fatalities a day? Come on. That just makes no sense to me. Does it make sense to you? I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know I don't know what, what they're basing that on. We're staying home one month more and we're gonna have thirteen hundred deaths per day more. That's just ridiculous. Uh let's see. Okay, so now Minnesota for all of my my Minnesota listeners, uh the IHME model is predicting uh on May one, which is today, a range of fatalities per day of five at the low end to 85 at the high end (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i understand you have to have a range but wow that's that that is a ridiculously wide range um but there we're at like i said before we're at about 20 i think yesterday we had 23 or 28 i can't remember what the number was but less than 30 uh, so again, you project that out. Uh, you project 20 fatalities a day out to 18 months. That gives you 11,000 fatalities, not 22,000. But even so, again, that that assumes that you would have that number of fatalities per day for 18 straight months. In other words, no improvement, no decline. And that's not how that's not how these viruses work. At some point, they start to finally uh, slow down in terms of the fatalities per day. So. And again, like I said, the IHME model is predicting, and this is for the United States, predicting zero fatalities per day by July if we extend our social distancing through June. But yet Minnesota is expecting 20 fatalities a day for the next 18 months. (laughs) Oh, man. The the discrepancy and the... the, the differences and the ridiculousness is just crazy. Just crazy. Uh, let's see. What is this here? Oh, this is... Uh, this is... Uh, looks like ICU bed. Yeah, ICU beds. The IHME model projects ICU bed peak of 200, which is... Let's see. What, what did I say we're at today? We're at about... Uh, now let me look at that number again. We're at 986. What? Okay, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense at all. We have 986 ICU beds in use right now, and the IHME model projects by May 1, 200 peak. Yeah, so something's clearly wrong with that data. Clearly wrong there. Uh, I'm not even going to share any more on that slide because it's way off. All right, so that's enough. That's that's all I have for the uh, notes on the webinar of the differences in models. As you can see, 
an awful lot of uncertainty with the models, with the data, with the assumptions, with the projections. And these wide ranges of assumptions and projections and uncertainty and missing data is all being used to shut us down. Okay? Shutting us down. Now, I agree that there has to be some mitigation policies in place to stop the spread of the virus. But at the same time, like I said, if we're all sitting at home, we're not developing any herd immunity. So what happens when we all come out on June 1st or whenever we come out and start going out to restaurants and bars and sporting events again and churches and uh, fairs and whatever? Uh, you know, what's going to happen? Everybody's going to start getting sick again because we haven't developed the immunity. So those who are screaming to open up the economy again have a very, very valid point as far as I'm concerned, especially based on what I just learned on this webinar today. All right, let's move on. Well, uh, here's an update on the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the U of University of Minnesota Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy, or SIDRAP, uh, is expecting the pandemic to last 18 to 24 months. In other words, they're basically saying some form of social distancing is going to have to remain in place for 18 to 24 months. Two years. Wow. I, wow. <sighs> I, you know, how much can people take? You know, at some point you just got to say, well, we're just going to have to live with the risk of people dying. I mean, that's just all there is to it. You know, like I said before, you have people losing jobs, losing their businesses, and losing their minds. Domestic violence is up. Uh, suicides are up. Drug use, alcohol use is all up. So, you know, where's the trade-off? Where's the trade-off? Uh, let's see here. The forecast. Let's see. Forecast 197,000 fatalities by May 31 at current seven-day moving average growth rate. Okay, I think that was a note from yesterday. Yeah, so uh, 197,000 fatalities by May 31 if we are at the current seven-day moving average growth rate in fatalities per day, or day over day. Um, yeah, and uh, so way, 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 way less than uh, than they, had, they were forecasting before because of all of these social distancing and stay-at-home measures. Okay, so now we're on to my uh, tips, tip of the day for how to stay sane during unemployment. Tip number 15 is learn Tableau. Tableau is a really, really cool program. If you're not familiar with it, it's, it's basically a data visualization program which allows you to create really cool visualizations and charts uh, to show to show data and to uh to show what it is that you're that you're trying to uh, get across to your audience you can ha it's it's highly interactive so you can have pull down menus you can have uh click uh you know you, you click on a data point and it shows all kinds of information about that data point you can have maps and charts and tables and graphs and 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 pictures and all kinds of things it's it's a really really cool program if you go to their website, you can watch a whole ton of videos on how you know learning how to use Tableau. Tableau is 
been is in wide use right now and i and i think it's probably just going to get even bigger and bigger um i saw a presentation last year at a healthcare conference given by somebody who was using power bi and it was so boring i mean it was just like no color no no pizzazz nothing it was just really really boring but with tableau you can do a whole lot of really cool stuff so I apologize to all you Power BI users out there, but Tableau to me looks a lot more interesting and, and actually it's it's actually fun to use. I, I did a, a couple of, uh, if you go on my website, www.edcashmark.com, you can go onto the Tableau link and you can find a few data visualizations that I made for GDP and employment and I think I, and I did one for um, Minnesota housing statistics. Pretty cool. Check it out. So my tip for the day, learn Tableau. You'll be much more marketable in the job market if you learn Tableau. That's it for today. Again, I have a feedback link for this podcast on my website. And if you if you would like to share with me your biggest struggle or concern about the economy and why you're listening to my podcast, I'd really appreciate it. If you're listening and you have not yet subscribed, please do so. Spread the word about my podcast. And now it is time for me to thank my followers. So yesterday I didn't have the screen up, today I do. The last two followers that I've had, unfortunately this doesn't show me when people followed me, but the most recent two followers are Erfan Kareem and somebody named Graham. So, and then I think before that there was uh, somebody named Frederica. So those are the last three followers that I've had. So... Thank you to all my followers, my recent ones and the older ones, all followers. Thank you very much for subscribing to my podcast and listening to it. I would appreciate it, again, if you would spread the word. And uh, next time somebody follows me, I will mention them on my podcast as well. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. And please, please stay safe and stay sane. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Have a good rest of your day and enjoy your weekend as much as you possibly can.